0: you're listening to alternative thinking both sides of the coin a production of the canadian association of alternative strategies and assets where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives it's thursday march 26th today on alternative thinking both sides of the coin we're going to be speaking about private equity and and public equity markets with both an expert in PE and private equity fund of funds, as well as a chief investment officer of a multifamily office. It looks to be a really interesting talk. and We hope you agree. James Buron is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca. Welcome, everybody. My name is James Perron with CASA, and this is another of our podcasts on alternative thinking, alternative ideas, ideas of alternatives. And uh, today we have two facets of the private markets area. We have uh, Daniel Conti with HarborVest Partners and uh, Jean-Martin Assant with uh, CEO's family office, a multifamily office. Uh, We'll start with introductions and then we'll get into my questions. We'll start with Daniel.
1: Thanks for inviting me here, James. Really excited to speak about how we're going to be assisting our clients during this time. Um, So I work with HarborVest. I'm responsible for investor relations for Canada. Uh, um, At HarborVest, we specialize in offering holistic private equity, private credit, and uh, real asset solution for clients. Uh, I started in the investment industry just over 20 years ago. Uh, working back then at a single-family office, uh, then transitioned over to a multi-family office, and so I gained quite a bit of um, appreciation uh, for the alternative uh, investment industry. Uh, and then, uh, you know, al- although here at Harbor Vest we uh, tend to service mostly institutional uh, clients, I think one of our priorities um, is to try to democratize the investment asset class um, to more private wealth and. Uh, to individuals.
0: Great. Thank you. And Jean-Martin?
2: Yes. Uh, Hello, James. Thanks for inviting me as well. So I am the CIO at CIOs, uh, which is a new model of family office. Uh, We have a complete suite of services and it was founded by Eric Lapointe, actually, who had over 20 years of experience in the financial services. Uh, So uh, there's a team of experts in pretty much all fields, including, of course, investment, but uh, services like bookkeeping, accounting, tax, succession, and so on. So actually, what uh, we want is clients to enjoy doing what they like in life instead of being busy with paperwork. As for my, my, my own career, I, this is my 23rd year in the markets. I have to say it's the first time I see such a market, but we'll get back to it. Uh, I was both on the sell side and the buy side and pretty much in North America and Europe. And I started my career in the fixed income and credit space on the institutional side. But I was later on exposed to multi asset classes. I was a portfolio manager, but also involved in uh, portfolio optimization, risk management, and performance attribution. So pretty much uh, the full cycle of investment and rebalancing. The way we were before entering this this crisis, and that is uh, defensively. Uh, We thought something was bound to happen with such high valuations uh, in the stock market uh, before February, say. And we still think the fundamental economics and numbers underlying the current uh, economy are bound to permeate a bit more to stock valuation. So, of course, it is obvious that many investors are trading based on sentiment right now, on hope, or whatever we may call it. But the sound way of investing money to me seems uh, more to consider the strength of the underlying assets in the economy, which uh, we believe uh, we're not totally out of the woods yet in spite of this two, three-day rebound we're seeing now seems fundamentally the economy has uh, quite a storm to go through.
0: Great. Thank you, Jean-Martin. And Daniel, so you have a range of products, uh, private equity funds, uh, where you're making the investments in the companies, and also private equity fund of funds, where you're making investments into other private equity funds and selling them on uh, to the end client. How has that changed in the last little while? And maybe uh, let's talk about your growth
1: over the last couple of years, please. Sure. Um, you know, private markets have been, uh, have seen tremendous growth. I, if you think about just the uh, uh, specifically in private equity, for example, the uh, amount uh, of dry powder that, that is available to, to be deployed. And, um, you know, we're, we're coming off of a record fundraising year uh, for the market in, uh, in 2019. So um, it, it, you kind of expect these pauses. And uh, I think, ourselves um, you know thinking about how we positioned the portfolio coming into 2020 we had been saying i think we we expect or we expected that something was coming you know when or um how uh how pronounced um sort of a downturn could have uh, occurred um that that was you know uncertain um but you kind of positioned for it in investing in in defensive businesses um and and, and funny enough you know, we have some lessons learned from the the financial crisis and then also from, um, you know, think about the, the tech bubble burst um, before. Um, really, uh, it, 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 it's a completely different environment today. Um, you know, think of a business like a group of dental clinics that um, you could own thinking that that's a great defensive business um, might not necessarily be the case in what's called a health scare. Um, so right. I, I'd say in what it is right now, we're, we're quite... Um, pencils down on, on any new deals. So uh, we are being quite cautious as, um, as Jean-Marc mentioned.
0: Great. Thanks, Daniel. And Jean-Martin, let's dig down into your client portfolios. Of course, there's private markets, public markets. There's uh, the alpha from hedge funds, private equity lending, real estate, and also the beta from the, from the public markets. How have you positioned your clients over the last couple of years and uh just give us a history of, of what you've been doing for them and what you see going forward.
2: Yeah, we, we have a, a lot of different products so that it can cater to pretty much all uh, all profiles uh, for our clients. And uh, when I said it was defensive, of course, I, I meant that the, the, expo- the exposure to stocks is lower than a purely balanced 50-50 or or, or, or any benchmark would, would show now. And uh, I, I don't know if we should be surprised, but the clients uh, react, mostly positively actually uh, to to what's going on, all things being equal, of course, everybody would like stocks to go up, bonds to go up and oil to go up. But uh, uh, defensive portfolios actually avoided a hefty chunk of stock index losses, but uh, it also depends on the horizon of every client, as you know, so the longer the term, the more patience they can have with identifying the best timing to re-enter the stock market, for instance. And one thing for sure, when you have largely avoided a loss, you can be more comfortable that you will not miss too much of the upturn as you have a non-loss cushion, if I may say, which allows you mm-hmm. to end up better off globally when the bumps are behind. So uh, people who add defensive portfolios are generally okay with the situation. And as I said, of course, uh, would like it to be different than it is now. But let's say that this type of market environment makes everybody more curious and more aware of daily moves, that, that's for sure. But uh, we've been looking at all asset classes, uh, definitely, I, I don't think you can ignore an asset class in such an environment, especially when in some period of crises, uh, correlations all go to one. <laughs> but in in, in yeah. more normal times, uh, you can have diversification uh, by using many asset classes and putting everything in cash or in stocks and not looking at bonds or commodities or, or, or currencies. I don't think it's a sound way of, of looking at things. and. Uh, we'll see what the uncertainty becomes. But right now, I think you mm-hmm. have to look at all the asset classes for sure.
0: So how do you explain that or or when you do your reviews with clients um, because you have so many different markets and, and asset classes and strategies and such in a portfolio, say, and they have, a, I imagine, no one's elsewhere and they're trying to think of it in a holistic view and the pension funds of the 60-40 portfolio. Uh, how do they benchmark what you're doing? Is it more like, I have enough cash in the bank or is it benchmarked against the, or did, did they just say it's the S&P 500 because I, I could have bought that yesterday. Um, and how do you uh, go through that process with them?
2: Yeah, well, uh, pretty much all our clients were defensive, uh, had a uh-huh. defensive stance uh, based on what we, we recommended them entering this crisis. But of course it might, it might vary from one client to the others. And some, some clients have uh uh, a more hands-on way of looking at their things and have specific uh, instructions as well. But in general, we were uh, underweight stocks and overweight bonds. And even within the bond, uh, you, even within the rates family, we, we went into high yep. quality and we uh, excluded high yield. Because uh, we think, as I said earlier on, we, we think all the, the true economic bad news are yet to come. So we uh, when earnings will, will will be shown as being very weak and when consumer confidence will stay low because people simply don't have a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, uh, of course, it's not something we hope for, but that's something that we foresee. We, we kind of see how it could be different in, in the current environment when governments voluntarily yeah. curate a recession by putting people uh, by telling people to stay home. So uh, the, the, you know, the defensive uh, extent of the portfolios might vary from one profile to the other, but in general, we think that risky asset classes, including stocks, uh, still have to go through some 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 stormy period.
0: Still more, wow. Uh, so so for you, defensive is bonds, high grade bonds. Uh, in a shorter term, I just saw that the one one in three month U.S. Uh, T bill rates went went negative. So I guess those fared you fairly well through the through the crisis. There is it or is it mostly Canadian bills? Yeah.
2: And uh, well, uh, we're uh, uh, Canadian, U.S. and international in general. So, but uh, yeah, the, ah. the current environment in rates is also very uh, particular. You know, uh, the, at one point when all all, all the curve is below one percent, you don't see that very often. And you know, we, we were not that long ago. People thought that in North America, the negative rates we saw in Europe would be impossible. But uh, we're, we're slowly getting there. It's a new
0: math, yeah. And it, then what... is, it, it is a new world, actually. Yes. And then one more question on your portfolios: Do you hedge for your clients, or do they? You just, or or do you do more of a, a natural hedge where if they have people in the states, you'd say, okay, we're going to hold so much U.S. assets to provide income for them, or, or is it? How, how do you how do you manage that?
2: Yeah. It'll depend on the products and, and the instructions yes so so some people are more uh, more more at ease with having uh, currency risk. others mm-hmm. will, will prefer to, to uh, hedge everything so that there's a lot of flexibility okay. on that side.
0: And then so the public markets are the high twitch and they' they'll, they'll flex all the time like say, we saw up 11% a couple of days ago and five and down whatever you know eating up all the gains. Uh, but in the private markets where where harbor vest is Daniel how does how does that that gets transmitted through your uh, underlying companies the funds you're holding the funds of funds uh, eventually to the to the navs uh, people I guess it's a good thing they can't get out I guess in many of these products because they do they are a closed end uh, they've had the capital like raising and then later on the harvesting and that's just that's just how they're they're structured but how do you see that kind of uh, I guess the the pig in the Python coming through your portfolios and um, maybe how it's going to affect the the 2020 vintage compared to like the 2019.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It's funny that people talk about the illiquidity premium in private markets a lot. I almost think it's the inverse where not allowing people to sell uh, should be seen as a, a benefit um, and maybe gain... Uh, not so much a premium for the risk, but um, essentially remaining invested. And, and as you know, sometimes individuals can can sell at the wrong time. Um, you know, that being said, I think um, it, it'll be interesting to see where the marks come out. Uh, as you know, with private equity, you know, credit, even direct real estate and infrastructure, we're kind of still working through um, 1231 uh, marks right now. Uh, and so um, what, what we're seeing and hoping is that uh, the GPs that we invest with take conservative uh, marks on their NAV, um, whether they need to look at taking some kind of impairment charge um, that 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 is warranted um, because, you know, they're not necessarily basing themselves on uh, last 12 months, but uh, next 12 month pro forma uh, EBITDA. um, And and so you could see some taking, uh, you know, using some public market comps, and then estimating what what EBITDA mm. hits could be. Um, and then before March, um, I think the majority, you will not probably see for another quarter. So, so some people might say that that could be a benefit, um, where uh, allocating to alternatives yeah. gives you that smoothing effect. But, um, you know, we're not, uh, we're not immune to it.
0: Yeah, I remember Keith Black did some research earlier with the Kaya Association. And he said, "Well, private equity is great because you can't get out, and it's stale dated, so it's you know you you don't see the movements, hence you don't really probably get that upset. Um, so, but if you want to compare it to the public markets part of your portfolio, you have to unsmooth it and lay in all these uh, because REITs I think have half of the or double the volatility of private real estate, but basically the same return at the end of the day um, if you stay if you stay in them." Uh, But what do you you think about, say, we've seen actually uh, large investors, real estate investors, gating their real estate, their funds. And also, I've seen some lending funds lately, even just this week, gate theirs. And clients have asked me, or members have asked me, what what should we do about our fund, whether it's real estate or lending? And I'll tell you, my answer was like, yeah, gate, because this stuff's illiquid liquid and the markets are weird. But what have you guys been doing or, or how have, have you had maybe some some inklings on what you guys might be doing in that? Or, or are all of your funds, like I say, typically like a, a closed-end structure? So there's really no no question about it.
1: Yeah, we don't um, have any open-end or, or evergreen type commingled vehicles on the market mm. uh, right now. So it isn't a question for us. Um, clients essentially cannot sell unless it's on some kind of secondary um market that they want to uh to place their assets on. And and even then, as you could appreciate, there there probably is deeper discounts. So so they they don't want to get out um at this time. Um it, it it's interesting because you know we're seeing the the proliferation of the the private market open end structure um out there and, and offering some kind of liquidity to individuals. Uh you know what is the real liquidity is what you always have to ask. Mm-hmm. And know, a gate being put on during times like this essentially shuts down that liquidity. So you really have to know who your clients are and the ones that can that can take this. Um, But because because not saying from Harborvest point of view, but some of the other structures out there we have seen gating um, occur. And I think what you will see maybe going forward instead of gates over, you know, say a lockup of two, three years after that, a gate being imposed of 10, 20 percent a year on total assets. You could potentially see instead just you know we're going to get you out on a best efforts basis.
0: And as an investor, Jamatane, how uh, how do you view Gates? Do you see it as like a, a way to, to cut off the the flow of the, the bleeding sort of thing, or is it like, listen, I want to get my money, and you guys were open last month. Why aren't you open this month? Like, what what's say your view from uh, from the allocator side?
2: Well, I'd say the important thing is that clients who enter those deals know the terms and conditions of the deal. And as Daniel said, it might not be a bad thing at, at some point, sometimes in some environment, uh, to keep some, some more nervous clients from uh, exiting a product that, uh, w- that was uh, designed for the long term. And in general, for private assets, uh, I think more and more multifamily offices will have to, uh, to build pools of investors who want to participate in those deals because they do diversify mm-hmm. the portfolio. If you look at bonds and, and in rates, that that's a very nice start. But enlarging to other asset classes, uh, public and private uh, infrastructures as well, and so on, will will certainly have a you know the, the best diversification you can get from financial products.
0: If you have everything is is uh, alpha products, privates, and at hedge funds and such, if you don't have the beta, you're actually limiting your diversification because you need that to kind of add that uh, add the diversity to it.
2: Eventually, you know, beta and alpha and all those measures. Even eventually, the fundamentals always catch up to whatever technical moves you can see in the markets. And you know, companies need to have revenues to go on. Clients need to trust the companies they buy from. So, whatever rational exuberance or extreme moves we might see up or down, fundamentals have to catch up at some point. So, what we've seen lately, if I, you know, if I go back a while on public markets. Trading on emotions never was a good idea. It should not be a good idea under any circumstances.
0: And then, that uh, do you offer your investors as well, or maybe your fund of funds take advantage of, of co-investments from their underlying GPs, or is it something that you, you again strictly just funds?
1: Sure. So um, you know, as you can appreciate, we we have this long history of investing with um, some of the key GPs uh, and being. Uh, Either um, you know, first time investor or a long dated investor, with with many of them, mm-hmm. uh, and so so co investment is is very much a big part of what we do. Um, uh, you know, I think it's a good cost efficient way to get access um, to the GPs uh, to key deals um, to for you know asset allocators such as Jean Martin. To get uh, you know access to, to deals and have discretion over um you know certain deals that they they think would work well for their clients. Uh and and so that, that could work well. Um it, in the current environment, you know, we've particularly in Canada been you get this question a lot, uh, mm-hmm. and the ratios just keep on going up and up and up for for the request for co-investment. Uh, a for the discretionary nature of it, and then B for the cost um, nature uh, of it. So, so we get the request a lot, and obviously we solicit the same from from our GPS as well. Um, but, but, but you have to be be careful in that, especially in the current environment. I think uh, up until the end of last year, you can kind of throw a, a dart at any one of those co investments, and you would have had a great return, and you would have paid very little fee on it. Uh, and now in this environment, you, you want to be um, more selective on those. And is there
0: any area that you may have, well, I guess it's only been a few weeks before we've, we've seen, as we've seen this new normal, but that um, maybe you're avoiding now or your investment teams are looking to get into, whereas before they when I said, ah, that's just, just way too much. And this is an area, you know, now that it's the prices come down or the opportunities are there, or the deals, you said generally you're, you're putting pencils down, but is there something that that does look like an opportunity or is there a place or you just, they're just, you were interested in before and now it's like, no way, like maybe that's an airline or hotels, maybe it's something else.
1: Yeah. I've probably heard that question about 20 times in the last week or so. Um, and it's, <laughs> it, it's unfortunate. Like you started off with James, I think it's just, it's still too early. Yeah. Um, we, we don't know how this is going to end up. I, I want to say, you know, there, there could be opportunities with, with secondaries, in the current market, if there are some distressed buyers, uh, sorry, sellers, um, mm-hmm. and you know those that do have dry powder to put to work, um, that could be a, an area and in, in 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 many places, whether it's you know real estate secondaries, private equity secondaries, even credit secondaries could be something, uh, to come, um, down the line if you do get uh, some distressed sellers. So, um, I I, I think it, it is just it's too early to tell and and say you know this sector versus this, um. And we just, we don't know.
0: jean uh I don't know if you've seen anything particularly exciting that you, you're looking to move into that you've been thinking about. Uh, and my other question is uh, rebalancing, like when do you move into public markets or there's been talk of, now that public markets have gone down, your your allocation to illiquids has gone up. So should you sell illiquids? Like, uh, but we'll start with, if you've seen any uh, any opportunities.
2: Yeah, as Dan just said, it's it's quite uh, uncertain where which way things will go now, and it's certainly not easy to clearly identify how or in what shape any company will get out of this uh, quite unprecedented period in the markets. And you know, companies which must shut down may not even reopen, or at least not in the same way, just as if nothing had happened. And and when you say millions of workers will never be quite the same again after massive layoffs and a lot of working from home. So in, in what state will companies find them when they are ready to resume their activities? And even those companies which thrive in the current environment or relatively thrive. So what will their demand be once everything settles down? You know, the obvious example is that of products such as toilet paper and cleaning products. So what will the demand be for such products in a few months time if people have been piling up frantically and and they won't need to buy them again until 2050 so to speak so the you know, the uncertainty is uh, total uh, everywhere so i guess um, uh, the key word in investing has always been uncertainty but uh, acknowledging that information is is not perfect but right now we're standing on a huge mountain of uncertainty caused by this coronavirus and trying to ignore the economic effects of the pandemic because stock markets move up two or three days in a row seems to me like uh, denying reality but uh, i would say some minimal diversification is always good so maybe not exclude Stocks completely, but taking these last few hours as a proof that a bull market is on again might be overly optimistic, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of so maybe channel stuffing or they're pulling everything out of the channel. The the shelves are bare in many cases. Um, yes, a
2: lot, a lot. Yeah.
0: So on that rebalancing, um, if you so obviously you like you saw the the public markets have gone down. Your high quality sovereigns short term stuff has probably kept its value, maybe even gone up a little bit. Uh, there's only so much you can do there with a short duration, yep. but uh, and then on the private side, if you had if you had privates, they you don't know what they are, so you just assume they're the same as last month because that's kind of how it works. Um, how well, Where would you put your money? Would it be to say let's give it to a Harbor Vest type of shop that has access to privates, private markets? Maybe not doing many deals now, but has a lot of uh, expertise in finding areas that could provide a lot of value going forward. Or just you can throw it into the the, the public markets very easily. Uh, of course, you have to do security selection and such, but then uh, and you could get it out easily. But um, where where would be your preference? Putting putting dry powder into private markets or into into the public markets?
2: I think in due course they will definitely definitely be some deals on the private side that will you know whose uh, returns won't be available uh, in public markets and that's probably why this asset class has been has been so successful uh, uh, for for such a long time but uh, at this point we're still uh, observing and analyzing everything that comes out as i said earlier on i think we'll have a lot of uh, negative news coming on or or coming up uh, headlines negative headlines we're not hoping yeah. for it. I uh, Repeat, but uh, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're we're that's what we see coming because millions of people will uh, will ask for uh, you know employment insurance and, and companies have to shut down. So we think the environment right now is one of uh, especially if you're already defensive, which is our case, is one of uh, patience. Uh, so that uh, you know, the smoke dissipates a bit and see where it's coming, where it's heading, rather. And maybe, you know, stock markets seem to be more positive now than, than, than lately, because it's the first time that you have two or three days consecutive uh, uh, up, upturn on the, uh, the S&P, for instance. So that might be one of the many signals that we follow right now. But we also follow earnings, we follow the PMI index, we follow consumer confidence, you know, what, will the Bank of Canada lower the, the 75 beeps that they have remaining as dry powder? So there's a lot of things to come that we have to see and analyze before we can really seriously and and, and rebalance the portfolio with a sound analysis of what's going on.
0: Yeah, the first pop, I thought we just say reactively short selling, but uh, you know short covering. But then uh, when it happens again and again, you start to wonder maybe there's a maybe there's a trend to this, uh, or just a lot of short covering from people having their their accounts being liquidated and such.
2: And yeah, in such a crisis, what, what may happen actually, what happens a lot is that uh, you see some trades that go against logics or fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So for instance, when, when huge funds need liquidity for, uh, for a withdrawal or, or to pay some margin calls, they will sell some very, uh, you know, very nice and, and solid assets. So it might send a signal that this asset is bad because it's, it's oversold, but uh, it's all technical. And in such times, the technical aspects really are, are quite present. So that's something we must analyze as well and see beyond that, that maybe it is not a you know, turnaround in the markets, but something technical and we'll know maybe in just a few hours or a few days later why it happened. But I think right now, analyzing every signal we see uh, in in the headlines as a proof that something is happening, I think that's a little bit uh, too, too soon to tell.
0: Yeah, I think when I was a broker in the 90s, it was... Uh... The, the institutions would hold bank stocks just like a T bill, and they would get the get the dividends, and they would they would trade it like that because it was so liquid. You could just go in and out of these things. So, in a crisis, if they need to raise cash, you can sell bonds, or you can you can sell your bank stocks. But I don't think Canadian banks are going to be going anywhere, um, like uh, with all the conservativeness around their the way they're running and such. So it just uh, yeah, you're right. It does get some you get some weird situations out there.
2: They'll, they'll um, probably be the last ones to go. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> and Daniel, what's your advice for investors? You've been through quite a few markets, uh public markets, private. Uh where where do you see this heading and what would you say to investors who maybe came into the market in 2010 and haven't really seen a crisis? Um where where would you where would you point them for advice?
1: Yeah, it's uh it's amazing, right? Because um a lot of people believe that the the current vintages uh that are out now are going to be some of the good ones. And, and that is that is consistent with uh, what we've seen in our uh, our analyses going back through time is that um, y- you don't know when these markets are going to hit. So the one thing you do want to do is just, you know, keep some kind of consistent commitment that that you will continuously make. And, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, we essentially missing the good vintages is a lot worse um, from a timing perspective than um you know catching the some of the the worst ones uh so so being consistent with your uh, your allocation to, to private markets is is going to be key um you know it'll be uh as i mentioned as as, as private wealth we, we we saw something interesting in at the end of 2018 if you think about back with the uh, what they call the christmas massacre on the markets that uh, got hit quite quite hard during um uh, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. Eve, uh, but then but then bounced back more towards the beginning of 2019. But people were getting their December 31st statements saying, wow, my 2018 returns are not that great. And then looking over at what private equity had done and saying, whoa, what, what happened over there? Essentially, we're talking about the same companies. <laughs> um, but yeah, our returns in 2018 drastically outperformed public markets. I, I, granted on 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 paper at, at the end of the day we're talking about the the same types of companies now will that occur through yeah. through something like this um I, it it depends how prolonged um this this ends up being you know private private equity did not get hit as much um if you think about it during 2008 uh whereas public markets you're talking anywhere from 30 40 sometimes even 50% on on some of the the markets um it, Back then, you know, private equity generally fell about 20% and on a lagged basis. So um, it, again, just going back to it, you, you have to know what your liquidity impact is. I think that's one thing we're helping clients with a lot these days, just because they're coming to us saying, um, you're not going to call cash anytime soon, are you? Yeah. And so um we have to be we have to be quite prevalent because we understand that you know they could be pulling money from their public market portfolios or might not be as um, rich in cash, uh, you know, we we don't think that there's an inability to make those capital calls, but uh, we, we definitely want to help them plan for them.
0: Excellent, thank you. Yeah, I was going to ask about that actually because in two thousand eight, yeah, the private equity was didn't go down as much. Uh, some of you managed futures, of course, did very well in the hedge fund area. Others didn't do as well. The strategies, public markets, of course, were decimated. Um, but the knock-on effect was Harvard trying to sell a trillion dollars worth of secondaries and all these other ones that came out because they literally had to borrow to make 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 good on their capital calls from their overcommitted private equity allocations, uh, which you have to do uh, to be able to get a meaningful allocation over time. Um, but uh, it seems like from, so from now, you're um, if you're I guess if you're not inking a bunch of deals right now, um, then that's probably not as Likely to have those type of knock-on effects. Um, exactly. I guess on that side, on new deals, how? If, if so, assuming this locks down, say, I don't know, twelve months, and we're still working from our basements and bedrooms and home offices, how can you do? How would you do diligence on a company if you cannot do an on-site visit, um, and uh, you hadn't done one earlier? Say, it's a new company comes to you like now, saying we're looking for some. Some something uh some 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 an equity stake and you uh, how how would you do diligence on the company under those types of restrictions? My
1: gosh, if I'm still sitting in my home office twelve months from now, James, we got some other problems to consider. <laughs> let's let's hope it doesn't let's hope it doesn't get there. Uh, I know <laughs> we're still early on in this, um, but yeah, look, I, I mean, we are. If you think about the the fund to fund side of things, um, any new managers coming to market, asking us to come, you know, and do on-site due diligence, that's just, that that's not happening. Um, whether that's one, two, as required, as by, required law, yeah. by law. And um, <laughs> even if not, it's just, you know, are they delaying uh, their fundraising? Probably. Uh, and then any companies yeah. um, that were in diligence, that's that's just not happening to, anymore at all. So um, let, let's see how this plays out. I think, again, it, it's still... Uh, unclear right now but um, but you know we're, we're hopeful that we'll be on the other side of this to continue as, as business as usual
0: and then Jean-Martin you're in the front line with your uh, family office clients um, what advice are you giving to them or would you give to others who like I say maybe it's the son or or, or the daughter or grand, grandchild of some of uh, one of the families and they they say oh you've been you've been running my family's money for a while but I really don't know what's going on here what can I expect for the next year or so, um, you know, because I haven't been through these markets before. What, what's your advice to them?
2: Well, yeah, generally speaking, we, we of course, we expect that to be temporary, and we, it has to be temporary. So, and then, you know, previous examples like China and even Italy, where things are starting to slow down, probably show that it's going to be temporary everywhere it, it occurs. But uh, the, the time it'll take to, to go through that uh, the whole storm and see what the real and, and you know, maybe lasting effects will be on the, the, you know, the uh, on the economy as a whole. And that, that's what we have uh, to go through and, and be prudent and maybe be, be more defensive during that period. But of course we, we expect maybe towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. things to go back to something more of a normal, although as I said, there probably, is, probably be some lasting effects of what's happening right now on on the industrial structures and in, in some some countries and even the way the way that, you know, the public uh, approaches the, the whole economy, the, the way consumers uh, uh, stockpile on some stuff or do not buy anymore some uh, of some other stuff because they you know their consciousness was awakened by s- some parts of that crisis. So we, we still have to see what the new economy will be after that. But one thing for sure, it will it will turn at some point, and it will uh, will go up again because in the long term uh, there will be some economic activity. We will find a, a cure, or or that virus will disappear by itself.
0: But mm-hmm. there
2: will be something better coming up. But we don't think it's for the short term, because fundamentally speaking, whatever the uh, you know, the exuberance or the irrational exuberance we might see from investors moving this, the stock market, fundamentally speaking, we are going to go through a very hard economic period and. It has to show somewhere uh, you know, in companies' results and, and the stock prices uh, related to that.
0: Yeah, it's always you're right. It's always temporary. It always seems like it's longer when it's happening, but <laughs> yeah, it can't can't last forever.
2: Yeah, and you know the, the one the one thing. The one thing that's very peculiar about this one is, you know, there's been quite a few bear markets since, uh, you know, the, the 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 last century, but this one has been so quick to occur. It, it took a few days, whereas on average yeah. it takes a full 12 months for a, a bear market to to reach bottom, on average. So this time it took a few days, and now now some headline news already say that in a matter of a few days the bull market is on again. So I, I think there's a little bit of exaggeration in, in headlines. That's that's no scoop. But uh, I don't think it's it's the end of it yet because the real economic... Maybe everyone's at home come.
0: trading their personal book. <laughs> <in there>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, if they do that, I hope they they read a lot and they document themselves a lot and they, they, they take sound decisions based on fundamentals and not only sentiment.
0: Listen to a lot of podcasts.
2: <laughs> yes, of course, they have to. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's great. Um, well, that's... Uh, that's been uh, very illuminating thank you for your insights on these uh, public markets private markets what's happening the thinking behind uh, how to put together your asset allocation and, and portfolio and even take a look at some some uh, more specific uh, investments especially those that are that are, might be uh, closed uh, closed end so thank you both thanks uh, Jamatan and Danielle and uh, we'll look forward to having you on a, another future uh, podcast later on
1: thank you very much thank you very much thank you.